religion, basically, invented by Jeroboam. In verse uh, 33, he goes himself up to the altar. This is 1233 that he made in Bethel. And uh, he went up to the altar to burn incense. I guess he's going to sort of set the example, show him how it's done, and, you know, be the, uh, you know, leader of his country and, you know, officially recognizing this new special religion. And that provides the occasion for God to send a prophet from Judah to warn Jeroboam and the people that this religion does not please God. So, chapter 13, verses 1 to 10. Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, while Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. Then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Now it came about when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, that Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the Lord your God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and it became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you, nor eat, or would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat you shall eat no bread, drink no nor drink water, nor return by the way which you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. So you've got this man of God, which is a term referring to a prophet. He's from Judah. Bethel was in Israel. Makes you wonder if there isn't any prophet in Israel that God sees fit to send. At any rate he sends one from, from Judah. Uh, and he goes by the word of the Lord. That expression, by the word of the Lord, is found seven times in this chapter and only five more times in the whole rest of the Bible. That's just kind of a uh, theme of this chapter. This is all happening by God's word, by God's decree. Here's Jeroboam up there, you know, officiating at a, you know, reverent bull session, you might say, uh, worshiping this golden calf that uh, he's made and this man uh, you know manages to uh, excuse me his way to the front and uh, he begins this tirade against the altar you know it's just guy come along and 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 oh altar altar thus says the lord behold a son shall be born to the house of david josiah by name and on you he shall sacrifice the priests and all this kind of stuff so that would have been very uh i think uh aggravating i mean you know here's the very time jeroboam's got everybody worked up he's got this new religion in place and here's this uh rather disconcerting interruption and he's from the South, you know, figures. You know, you can imagine the exasperation that that Jeroboam and others who were in, in cahoots with him were feeling. And he says that one day this altar 
is going to receive the sacrifice of dead and, and rotting corpses, you know, that, that there's going to be, you know, the priests of the high places are going to be sacrificed and their bones are going to be burned on them, which would be, of course, quite a desecration to this altar. And who's it going to be who's going to do it? Josiah. And who was Josiah going to be? Yes, again, from the rival house of David. You know, that's adding insult to injury. It's going to be one of David's lineage that he says is going to do that. Now, do you have any idea how much later it was that Josiah did this? hundred years? More. <laughs> yeah, close to 300. Yeah, because the kingdom split in 931... Josiah began to reign at eight years old in 640. So we're talking about around 300 years, depending on exactly you know when this was in his reign and exactly when this was in Jeroboam's reign. But yeah, around 300 years. And he calls him by name. That is a remarkable thing. You don't have a lot of prophecies where a future figure is called by, by name. I mean, you've got some that are called by a name from the past. Like... Uh, you know, John the Baptist, but he's called Elijah. You know, he's another Elijah, or, or whatever. Can you think of any other prophecies like this where he actually names a future figure by name? Cyrus. Cyrus in Isaiah 44 and 45. The only other one that you could argue is the same kind of thing as like Emmanuel for Jesus in, in Isaiah 7. Not sure we ought to think of that quite the same way, but but this is very rare. And so clearly, when this happens, it's going to be clear this man of God was speaking by the word of God, but there's actually a preliminary sign he gives, because, you know, who wants to wait 300 years to find out if he's from God? What happens right there in that moment to show that he's speaking a message from God? Altar split. <laughs> and the ashes pour out. Now, you know, the ashes at least in the Levitical system, would be taken to a spot outside the camp to be disposed of. It's a disgrace to the altar to have it split, and then the ashes all come tumbling out. So, and I mean, wow. Can you imagine? He says that's what are gonna, what's going to happen, and all of a sudden the altar, you know, splits apart. I'm, I'm assuming that didn't normally happen with altars. I don't know. Uh, so, so that would be quite a sign. So how does that make Jeroboam feel? Exactly. You know, Jeroboam's the take charge type. You know, he is uh, not going to allow this to continue. So, what does he try to do? Grab him? Yeah, he tries to nab him. But, uh, you know, what happens to him when he does? Uh, there's some really weird things happening right here. I mean, can you imagine? Sounds like a movie. Yeah, it does. You know, uh, and uh, guess what uh, Jeroboam decides to do? He changes his tactics. You know, paralysis tends to do that to a person. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like God's whispering in the royal ear. You can keep this up if you want to, but just how many limbs would you like to lose? You know, <laughs> so... Uh, so he, he decides to uh, ask the, the man of God to uh, pray to God to restore his uh, hand. 
you know, uh, that's kind of a quick shift in uh, his tone. And in fact, that's what happens, and his hand is restored. And, and so then, you know, if you can't, you know, whip him, join him, I guess, what does he ask the man of God to do? Yeah. yeah, you know, maybe, maybe he can butter him up if he can't uh, assault him. Uh, so so he, he asked that. What's the man of God's uh, response to that? No. Why not? Because God said I shouldn't. Yeah, so he says, even if you were to split your possessions with me 50-50, I would not do that. I will, I'm not supposed to stop for refreshments and I'm supposed to bury my route home. I guess the idea is so nobody could find him. I don't know. Um, what do I God said that? I mean, what would be so bad about, you know, having something to eat on your way back? Jeroboam could change his mind. Yeah, maybe. I think this might be almost um, I'm almost teaching a lesson right here think about uh, think about first Corinthians 5 with such a one no not to eat you know I wonder if this isn't almost like uh, excommunication you know he is not to be entertained by people who are so flagrantly disobedient as to invent their own religion you know, uh, that's what it looks to me like, that basically, no, you don't accept any hospitality. This is not a dining affair. This is simply a, you know, bold condemnation of this whole system of worship. And then you go back, and I don't want you having anything to do with these people. I, I wonder if that's kind of the idea. At any rate, obviously the man of God understood clearly the instructions, and he refuses the royal invitation. It made me think of... Uh what John wrote in Second John 9-11 through 11, anyone who transgresses and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God and the one who abides in the teaching he has both the Father and the Son and he goes on to say if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds so yeah. I wonder if that's kind of what uh, that great passage to compare yeah I think uh, to me that's probably the idea of this and uh, you know you kind of fraternizing with uh, God's enemy mm -hmm. if you, uh, you know, let him entertain you. How does that work with the last part about not going home the same way? Well, I'm saying maybe that's like, uh, you know, vary your route so nobody can find you, you know. Mm -hmm. I want you to I want you get out of there and I want you to kind of uh, take the back roads. <laughs> I don't know. I, that may not be what he had in mind, but that's the best guess I've got. Thoughts and comments? Until now, this is a pretty straightforward story, kind of uh, dramatic in a couple of points, but uh, clearly the Lord's not too happy with Jeroboam. We're probably not too surprised at that. We know much about the Lord and his uh, mode of operation, but we get this new wrinkle starting in verse 11 that just kind of floors you. This is, uh, you know, some Bible stories every once in a while they hit you out of the blue. You know, you think you're going along understanding this and then what's this all about? And uh, we probably just need to read the whole thing here, so 11 to 25. Now an old prophet was living in Bethel, 
And his sons came to him and told him all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken to the king, these also they related to their father. Their father said to them, Which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way which the man of God who came from Judah had gone. Then he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode away on it. So he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord, You shall eat no bread nor drink water there. Do not return by the... Do not return by going the way which you came. He said to him, I am also a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it came about as they were sitting down at the table, that the word of the Lord came back to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried uh, and he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord, and have not observed the commandment in which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. And it came about after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled his donkey for him, for the prophet whom he had brought back. Now when he had gone, a lion met him in the way and killed him, and his body was thrown in the road with a donkey standing beside it, and the lion was also standing beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road and the lion standing beside the body. So they came and told it to, uh, in the city where the old prophet lived. Well, the, this old prophet adds a uh, interesting factor to this. Where was the old prophet living? Bethel. In Bethel. I think that might be a bad sign right off the bat, that he kept living in Bethel even after what's going on there. I don't know. Maybe it kind of makes you wonder. And uh, he finds out about this uh, man of God, and he wants to go find him. So his son saddled the donkey, and he finds him sitting under an oak. And what does the old prophet invite him to do? Same thing that Jeroboam wanted him to do. And what does the man of God say? The same thing he told Jeroboam. I can't he, he, his story's consistent. <laughs> so far. Yeah, exactly. You know, he seems very clear on what the instructions were. And whether it's Jeroboam, whether it's an old prophet, he's not going to violate those instructions. God told him, don't eat or drink anything on the way back home, so he's not going to. But that's where the... Uh, strange uh, circumstance occurs in verse 18 I also am a prophet like you and an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water now the text just goes right ahead to say he lied to him he invented that tale about the angel telling him to tell the man of God to go back home with him. Now, you know, we've got a lot of people today that, you know, blabber on that the Lord has told me this and the Lord showed me that and an angel revealed this to me and Jesus spoke this in my ear or whatever. This is a pretty good test case. What do you do 
when somebody tells you that God told him to tell you something that's different from the orders God gave you in his by the word by his word you know well in this case what did the man of God do he didn't really check it uh, he just believed what he said took his word for it yes he listened to the word of this old prophet as opposed to listening to the word of the Lord that he well knew what the Lord had said. He'd quoted twice the Lord's orders, but here with no protest, no question, no suspicion, he just gullibly swallows the lie of the old prophet. And that was not a good idea. I mean... He's an old prophet, for crying out loud. You'd think of anybody you could believe, it'd be him. And he says, an angel told me to tell you. You know, if, 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 if somebody you respect comes and says, an angel told me to tell you, you'd assume they didn't just invent that whole story. But that might be the incorrect assumption. <laughs> it was here. I mean... When we know what God's word is, we need to stick with that. I don't care who says that some divine manifestation revealed something else to them. Um, Willie, this, this man of God reminds me of Judah, which Judah was eventually kind of seduced by Israel to violate God's will. They kind of followed along after Israel. So I wonder if he doesn't almost represent the nation of Judah in that. And he ends up doing just exactly what Jeroboam did. You know, he, he forsakes what God had plainly said and follows what man says. And so he becomes himself disobedient. Now he's got, you know, you'd think be, you might say better motives, but he, he's disobeying direct orders of God. Jeroboam disobeyed direct orders of God. And so um, the word comes to the old prophet while the man of God's sitting there eating with him that things are not going to go well for the man of God. And on his way home, what happens to him? Ambushed by a lion. Yeah, the lion does, does what? Kills him and lets him lay. Yeah, just stands guard beside the body. You know, it kind of reminds you of the uh, donkey and the Balaam story when animals act very contrary to their nature and just obey what God says. You know, it looks like the lion suddenly lost his appetite for both uh, men and donkeys, you know. And uh, don't do what I did many years ago when I preached on this and say that the uh, lion ate the man of God. That's precisely what he did not do. And that was not a... Uh, so you were kindly rebuked for that. I was. I was <laughs> preaching a meeting and said that a few times in my sermon. Was uh, it a point in your sermon? I did. Well, it wasn't a point, but I just kept saying it that way, which wasn't at all true. Uh, so I was properly rebuked for that. Um, it's always good to read the text carefully before you <laughs> preach a sermon about it. Uh, but, you know, if, if this man of God, was punished for disobeying God's orders because he believed the lie. What's going to happen to Jeroboam? I mean, he's going to be punished, you would assume, even more because it wasn't him just believing a lie. It was just him, you know, recklessly and flagrantly disregarding what God said because he's afraid the people are going to go down to Jerusalem. Comments and thoughts?
never says any more about the old prophet. And it doesn't say whether the old prophet is even a prophet of God. You know, he could have been some sort of other prophet. I mean, he clearly was, in a sense, a prophet of God when he spoke by the word of the Lord well, there at the at dinner. At that point, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. But I mean, can a prophet of God go astray? I mean, why couldn't they? You know, you've certainly got examples of that. And can a prophet of God say something is not true? So, you know, you've got to make sure the prophet of God is, you know, being honest. So the lesson is, for the man of God or for us, you shouldn't trust everybody. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I mean, if you do something sincerely believing it's right, but it's not, it'll still kill you. You know, I mean, I've used this illustration plenty of times. I read it somewhere, but you know, like having a tummy ache in the middle of the night, and you go stumble into the bathroom half asleep and grab something you think is, you know, I don't know, milk of magnesia or something, and when you start, you know, drinking it, you realize it doesn't taste quite right, and you turn the light on, and some kind of poison, you know, some kind of cleaner or whatever, and you call the emergency room and. The emergency room doctor, you know, you're hastily explaining to him what you did and what you drunk and what you thought. And the emergency room doctor, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You thought you were drinking some kind of stomach medicine, right? Well, yeah, but it was it was poison. He said, oh well, if you thought it was you know stomach medicine, then it won't hurt you. <laughs> I mean, would we ever believe that? No. <laughs> no. I mean, what you believe about it is not the question. Yeah. The question is, what is it? Yeah. But we'll think, well, as long as you're honest and sincere, it doesn't matter what you do in religion. Well, why wouldn't it? It matters in everything else. You know, can you imagine? Uh, would any of your uh, surgeons uh, take that approach? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'd hope not. <laughs> yeah, I do hope not. No, well, I mean, we're going to have him in the next section, but no, we don't, I mean, there's never, like, the punishment given to him. He should have died. Yeah? I was going to say, because he ends up, oh, well, it just baffles me that the old prophet's really upset about this in the next section. Yes. I'm thinking, why is he so upset if he intentionally did this to this guy? Maybe he didn't think the consequences would be so severe for him to disobey God's commandments. But I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I do not know how to explain what he did. Yeah. You know, he basically helps kill the guy, and then he then he yeah, buries then him. He re- then he regrets <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I really did something bad. Yeah, he did. But what yeah. were you thinking whenever he was, like, prophesying? I don't know. What, was anyone what else thinking? could have been his purpose? Yeah. Wanted to have dinner with a guy. I don't know. <laughs> Just wanted a bite to eat, that's all. Well, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look from that like he was actually trying to sabotage him. Mm-hmm. I never thought he was. But, but wow, that was really reckless on his part. Just, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's always hard to believe that somebody just is inventionally lying. You know, <laughs> inventionally. Can I use that term? Impromptu. <laughs> Like, you know, a lot of lies are, you know, stretching the truth, twisting the truth, you know, shading the truth, whatever. But just to make something up that has no basis whatsoever, in fact. (laughs) And then somebody believes it. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, it's hard to believe people do that. 
It's just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more caught by those kind of lies because you just don't expect that. I, I, I understand people will twist things. But I'm not expecting somebody just to come up with a whole story that has no basis in anything. They just they just invented it. So I call that inventional lying. I just coined that at this moment. But it's all just a gut feeling or something like that. Yeah, it's just like yeah, because you know you're just not expecting somebody just to come up and say, well, this angel told me when there was no angel whatsoever. I mean, wow. It's really an unusual story. It makes you stop and think. Still wish he died. <laughs> well, he did, but <laughs> yeah, he did eventually. That's still around, but and, I mean, remember, God doesn't pay all of his uh, debts, uh, you know, and doesn't give all the punishment in this life. All right, so well, how about twenty-six to thirty-four? When the prophet who brought him back from the way heard it, he said, "It is the man of God who disobeyed the command of the Lord." Therefore the Lord had given him to the lion, which had torn him and killed him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. Then he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body, nor torn the donkey. So the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back. And he came to the city of the old prophet to mourn and bury him. He laid his body in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother! After he had buried him, he spoke to his son, saying, When I die, bury me in the grave which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the thing shall surely come to pass which you cry by the word of the Lord against the altar of Bethel, and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria. After this event, Jeroboam did not return from his evil way, but again he made priests of the high places from among all the people. Any who would, he, any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. This event became sin to the house of Jeroboam, even to blot it out and destroy it from off the face of the earth. So it's kind of cruel courtesy here. You, know? you massacre somebody and then you help them out by burying them. But, uh, I, I assume he did feel bad. And uh, it says, you know, they mourned over him. Uh, so he's he does that. Uh, you know, it's still weird that that donkey and lion are standing beside the... Uh, body and the lion has done nothing to donkey or body. So I mean, that really shows you the hand of God is behind this. I mean, you know, no lion is eccentric enough to act that way. Uh, and, you know, even this old prophet says, when I die, bury me in the grave that he's buried in. I, I guess he feels bad. I don't know. Really unusual. Uh, and he says what he said was going to take place, and sure enough, it did. Uh, and in a sense, I mean, his death validates the fact God watches over his word and fulfills it. You know, God's not going to let you get by with uh, disobedience. Jeroboam, though, in unchanged. I mean, after all that, he didn't learn anything. Uh, he continues to make priests of all the people and uh, just leads people right off into apostasy. Comments and questions? That's, that's what just seems really weird. Of course, you don't know the time span or whatever, but to have that happen and then turn right around and keep doing exactly what you was just told you shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. And it was very dramatically proven. Maybe he thought if the prophet died, it wouldn't happen. This is just a I don't know. I don't think he ever had any intention of changing 
He wants his own religion regardless. Which is still why I think that God told him not to eat anything, because I think that Jeroboam really is going to just get rid of him. I don't know. Poison him. <laughs> huh? Poison him? Yeah. Maybe. He was going to have him go eat with him, and he was going to kill him. Take this green apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? Do you think... It's strange. Yeah, do you think the old prophet learned anything from this? I mean, it just kind of skips straight to, when I'm dead, bury me here, but, I mean, I can't imagine how he felt for the rest of his life, you know, thinking about how, you know, he intentionally did this, and then God revealed to him what was going to happen to the man of God, and, and he just has to live with that. What about people who, with bad motives, teach false doctrines, and it destroys people eternally? Would that be something to think about? Some people teach false doctrines just to please people, to make money, to get it, get attention. You know, it's a lot of reasons. I mean, I guess that goes back to, you know, if you're the man of God, you know, you need to really, you know, pay attention to what God says over what anybody else says. You know, because yeah. even the, you know, maybe the well-intentioned Galatians were so easily... <laughs> Deceived, and Paul says, you know, even if an angel from heaven yeah. or one of us preaches a different gospel, don't believe it. Well, I mean, some of these things where people just go on and on about the Lord said, told me this and told me that, and you know, a ninety-foot Jesus back that was back years ago, yeah, Oral Roberts and whatever. I mean, I don't buy it. If it's different from what the Word said, not true. I mean, we've got a way of determining whether it's right or not, and it's not if it's not the same. And people will come up with all kinds of tales. You know, I mean, when I was in Brazil this last time, I was teaching several non-Christians at once, and, you know, they were talking about all these signs and wonders they'd seen. I just challenged it head on. You know, you haven't seen them. You've seen something. You haven't seen the same thing was in the Bible. You know, you've seen limbs lengthened and, you know, back aches cured and, you know, cancer vanish before your very eyes. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's hard to see. Yeah, exactly. But you have not really witnessed the same things. And I'm trying to remember, I can't remember what, one of the guys who was really arguing for it came up to me later and, and said, well, yeah, but, you know, we've, yeah, we haven't really seen that, but, you know, it's still, uh, whatever. I mean, it's this is like, he knew. He was arguing for it, but he knew good and well he hadn't seen those things. You know, people will, I mean, practically invent it because they think they're supposed to. You're supposed to believe this, so you gotta you gotta believe it. You can't be a skeptic, so you gotta think it's true, whether it is or not. Whether you've seen it or not, it has to be. You know, it's just sad. And then for those who disagree with your challenging them, they'll say, "Well, that's your interpretation. Mm -hmm. That's the cop out." So. Yep. <laughs> so. <laughs> Other questions or comments? Fourteen, one to six. At that time, 